Hey there, fellow streakers. We are so excited to be with you today. We have two very special guests, individuals who we have talked with and have uh, received coaching from and mentoring from, and we are so excited to have them on. First of all, Sarah Hewling Tendler, with a lifelong passion for psychology and leadership, Sarah has spent the last decade focusing on performance management and the coaching and development of team members to achieve new levels of success. She is currently the co founder and CEO of Choose Your Life, a company focused on guiding both teams and individuals to living their most successful and fulfilling lives. That sounds amazing. Her most recent endeavor has been the highly acclaimed program, Find Your Fire Team Edition. Sarah has her BS in psychology from Kennesaw State University and is currently pursuing a graduate certificate on psychology in leadership from Cornell University. In her free time, you can find her cooking and hanging out with her husband, Hank, and their two German shepherds, Liesl and Huey Lewis. We also have Jim Hewling, who is the author of the number one worldwide best-selling book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, now in its second edition. Jim has served more than a decade as CEO of an organization recognized four times as one of the best, 25 best companies to work for in America. Among all of his awards and recognition, Jim is particularly proud to have been presented with the Turknet National Leadership Character Award, representing CEOs who demonstrate the highest levels of ethics and integrity. Jim is most proud of his wonderful marriage of more than 40 years to his sweetheart, Donna, being dad to two phenomenal adults, Scott and Sarah, and Papa to his three grandkids. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been waiting for this one. We're excited to be talking with you. Let's get streaking. I love that. Jim, Jim and Sarah, we're so excited to have you on and to be able to talk with you guys today. And I love, my favorite part of that bio was the the Turknet National Leadership Character Award. It says a ton about Jim. And every time we've interacted with him, I have felt that intense amount of character and ethics that you have. So I love that that was part of the bio. We're excited to have you both on today. Thank you, Jamie. I, I'll say it is really an honor. And I hope it's all right with you. Full disclosure that we let everybody know uh, we think of you as some of the best friends that we have in the world. We've, we've loved you both for a long time. We're passionate followers of your podcast. And you probably have noticed that we find some way to tag streaking in every LinkedIn post we've made for the last several years. So to say we're fans is probably an understatement. It's, it's a great Thank day for so us. To be Sarah, here. how have you been? I've been great. Gosh, what a wonderful time um, we've been having, you know, really working with um, teams and leaders, but also working with individuals and just really seeing this work take uh, come to life. Um, so it's just been so much fun and so rewarding to be able to help some people out um, that have some questions about what their next chapter should look like. It's just been amazing. So I got to ask you, Sarah, right out of the chute, I've done a lot of work with your dad. I've had an opportunity to, to experience um, all of the different mentoring and coaching he's given me. What is it like to grow up in the household with Jim Hewling? We got to go there first. I mean, that's for, I mean, and to work with him. What, what was, I mean, that can't always be easy, but what was it? Talk to us a little bit. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Way to put me on the spot, right? (laughs) (laughs) I just have to say it's, it was wonderful. Um, He and my mom are obviously still married and super in love and they just did the best job of um, parenting me and really helping me develop my own opinions. And and I always got a vote um, in our family. So I, I feel like I was treated like a mini adult, you know, basically my whole life. I think that really contributed to uh, where, where I am today and where we are as as business partners today. Um, so that's taken on a whole new chapter. 
um, to be able to work together in this way and really get to know each other as adults and even in a different way. So it's really been wonderful. That's fantastic. So Jim, same question. How was it raising Sarah? I mean, was she just the perfect, perfect <laughs> child, the one that you just turned to everything? Well, she did a nice job on answering your question about me. So I'll, I'll just keep it right here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it really, it, Sarah, I should say, honestly, Sarah and her brother, Scott, uh, probably the proudest aspects of my life. And I know I speak for Donna as well. Uh, you know, we, you, you often think, especially my age, which none of you are even close to yet, but when you get to this place, you start really asking yourself, have I made a difference? You know, it's not, have I succeeded or have I done things that were important or, or even did I just work hard? Those things are important in all stages of life. But what really starts to matter when you're in your, quote, second half, which is my, my generic way of saying where I am, uh, you, you start asking yourself, you know, have I done things that matter? Have I made a difference? And, and I can tell you without a moment's hesitation that the, if there's ever a, a summation done of my contribution to the world, being father to Scott and Sarah will be number one on that list. It will be the greatest contribution that, that Don and I both, I think, would say we made. So, so it was a wonderful journey, not always uneventful, but a wonderful journey. And, uh, and I'm so glad to have been able to do it. And now look at where we've ended up. You know, we're business partners and, and really enjoying what we're doing together. So that leads me to kind of starting off our questions today of just talking with you is that how, what, it, give us the Genesis story of Find Your Fire. Like how did this all begin? And then how did you two come together on this, on this project? Yeah, well, um, so I think my dad and I had always talked about and, and kind of dreamed of working together in some way, in some kind of capacity, but really didn't know exactly how that would come to fruition or um, the timeline or anything like that. Um, and then in 2020, you know, the pandemic happened. And I think like many people, we started really taking a look at um, what we were doing and our, our professional lives and really trying to figure out, is this what we want the next few years to look like? Or should we revisit some of the things that we're doing? So we found ourselves both kind of in a moment where we could start this chapter together. Um, and in asking ourselves that question, we said, well, gosh, we know so many other people that are taking another look at their jobs, trying to figure out if this is really what I'm supposed to be doing, if this is what I want to continue doing. So that's really how we started the Find Your Fire program. In, in the process um, that we were going through ourselves, we took that knowledge and applied that process to the Find Your Fire program so that we could help other people who are also asking those same questions. You know, I know that this job isn't right for me, but I don't know what I want to do next. I don't know how to get there. Um, so this program is really geared toward helping people with that. That is so good. And I love that so often, so many of these things that we feel passionate about start with our own story where it's just like, hey, I was asking these questions of myself and thinking, and then you start to realize I'm not the only one asking these questions and, and working on the struggle. And then the beauty of being able to have gone through the struggle and have been self-aware enough to kind of put that into a process and then be able to share that process with other people. I look at you guys as kind of the person that's bushwhacking the trail you're going through and cutting it down on your own so that it creates a path for those that follow, that it's much easier to follow and be able to find your fire. 
So I love that. I, I love the way you said that. In fact, Sarah, I think we need t-shirts made that say bushwhackers on, on them. That would, be, <laughs> yeah. would be the tagline yes. for our, your our, find our, your fire bushwhackers. I, I really, I'm not just kidding. I really like that. Yeah. But you know, if I, if I can offer a, a kind of a personal insight into this as well, I, in my own life and career, uh, at one point had the privilege of reaching the level uh, the highest level in a company of being CEO. And I was CEO for quite a long time of that organization. And it was a great company surrounded by great people. It was a great time in my life. I have nothing but good things to say about it. But I also honestly add to the story that there came a point when my time in that role really was coming to an end, I could feel it, you know, and uh, and like a lot of people, I was resisting it too. I mean, who wants to give up something you worked your whole life to reach? You know, you you tend to white knuckle cling to it in every single moment that you can, and that's literally what I was doing. But in the process, the if you don't mind my language, the calling that I felt was on me to do something different now. Uh, got stronger and stronger and stronger. So it was like being pulled in two directions at mm. once. And it mm. led to me being in the same job where I was at one point incredibly happy, now being one of the most miserable people on earth, at least at least from a professional standpoint saying. Mm. Um, and, but I still had the same dilemma, as Sarah was saying just a minute ago, that a lot of people have. You know, I knew I no longer wanted what I had, and I really had no clue of what I wanted next. And worse, just to make the story worse, I really didn't have any idea how to find it. You know, how do you how do you figure this out? And by the way, if you're a CEO, you get no sympathy on this. Can you imagine? You know, I'm, not, I'm just not fulfilled. No in one's my saying, daughter. oh, I'm so sorry, yeah, Jim. Oh, man, oh yeah, come here. Let's violin, really talk about right? that. Yeah, please. You know, so it's also a little bit embarrassing in a sense. So in, in, a, in a general way of speaking, I had to sort of bushwhack my own path to answer the most fundamental question of all, you know, what do you really want? You've done a lot of things and maybe all that's good, mm -hmm. but, but now what's next, you know, what do you want to do? And if you don't know the answer to that question, you're the exact person Sarah and I were thinking about because we mm -hmm. both have been through, we won't tell all the stories today, but we've both been through these, these crucible moments, you know, where we were mm -hmm. dramatically unhappy with what we had and not really certain about what we wanted next. It's, it's a little bit like quicksand, you know, it doesn't overwhelm you. It just pulls you down inch by inch. It's that kind of feeling. And so you have to, you have to sort of fight your way out of that. And, uh, and so we had developed independently some ways of doing that. We'd both done it in our own lives. We both made our ways to, uh, to jobs and opportunities that we loved. Uh, one of mine being where I got to meet Jeff and work with him for, for a long, long time. But the trail we left turned out to be the architecture we wanted to offer. We really felt we had figured it out. And I don't want to say that with hubris, but I really want to say it with confidence. We, we feel like we figured out the exact steps to enable a person to go from having something they don't want to having exactly what they do want. We, we think we figured that out and distilled it down into a set, as you, you know, of 10 very simple uh, not necessarily easy, but very simple steps to go through that will take you from point A to point B. So, um, that, so that's where so we we're going to get into. Yeah, that's that's such a phenomenal story, and we're going to get into some of those steps. I don't all ten of them. I don't think we'll be able to cover in the <laughs> in the time that we have, but I think there's some significant ones. Before we go there, there's a couple of interesting things that you said that I wanted to just circle back on. So you're you're at somewhat the top of your career. You're feeling great about where it is. And now you get into this place where I'm not really sure if I want to continue forward with this. And 
that starts to lead to dissatisfaction and what once was very happy is now not. That That's kind of an interesting uh, thing that happens that I don't think a lot of people, I, and like you said with quicksand, I don't see it coming. It just is all of a sudden I'm in it. Did I, did I capture that right? Is that where you, you found yourself? It really was for me, Jeff. And I, I want to let Sarah add in. A, she's got a story of her own that's probably more compelling, you know, than mine. But but it, it's, it's a strange moment, you know. Take, for example, many people have something happen to them professionally, and it changes in, in the way they see or feel about the job they have. Well, my story is exactly the opposite. Nothing changed professionally. I changed internally. And so yeah. what used to bring me satisfaction and fulfillment no longer did, you know, and, and I think if we if we back up a step from the fear of these kinds of passage moments in our life, if we just we can just step all the way back and take a very deep breath, we're all scared at some point when change is happening in our lives. But if we can step back and say, you know, in this moment, how is life working for me? Not not to me, but but how is it working for me? You know, and, and in my case, it was prying open that white knuckle grip I had on a certain title and a certain income and a certain amount of cachet of, you know, of, of being a CEO. Uh, but Jeff, you know, it leaves me with one small thought too. And I, you and I have shared this many times. So I, I, I say it uh, quickly is, you know, I have a personal belief that all of us are born with an internal blueprint. And, and when I say that, I'm not trying to impose a system of belief or faith on anybody. I'm not trying to tell anybody what to think or believe, as a matter of fact. But I'm saying for me, my whole life experience has confirmed my understanding that I was born with some purpose. I was born to do something. Uh, and, and that in every moment of my life, when I was closely aligned to that blueprint, no matter what stage I was in, uh, I, I really had inner peace. I had a sense of being, as we say today, on purpose. And I, and I equally promise you that every moment I was off track with that blueprint, I had deviated it for some reason of my own, you know, <laughs> that I lost some of that inner peace. So in other words, my, my own inner sense was really a guidance system as well. And I think it's one of the most important things in Find Your Fire that Sarah and I have been working on is how do you tune in to your inner guidance system and how do you listen to it? And, and maybe last of all, how do you find the courage to act on what you think you're hearing? Uh, those are big yeah. topics for us and ones that, you know, quite humbly, we, we're, we think we've built a whole program around. Oh, absolutely. Sarah, as you've, so you've, you've journeyed something that wasn't necessarily the same as far as being CEO of a company, but you found yourself finding or looking for and being dissatisfied with the course that you were on. So you, you somewhat, tell us a little bit about that story as far as you journeying on that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, that really manifested as burnout. Um, and you hear people talk about burnout a lot these days. Um, and for me, it was um, it wasn't about the amount of responsibilities I had or the work hours that I kept or anything like that. It was once that sense of meaning in my work started to fade away, then the long hours and the weekends and, you know, all of the extra uh, projects and the new things that would pop up. That's when all of that started to feel overwhelming. And um, that's when that burnout really started to show up. So for people who are feeling burnt out, I would say it's not necessarily about the role, or the company or the culture. It's about that you um, somewhere you've lost the sense of purpose and meaning that's in your work, um, and it may this role isn't going to give you that sense of fulfillment anymore. So it's time to find another role. Um, but that's the advice that I would offer for people who are starting to feel like that. 
Um, that's that kind of that burnout wall where the, you're not getting replenished on the weekends and your vacations never seem quite long enough. Um, that's really when I started to uh, be, be able to pay attention to all of those things I was feeling. Now, as you were going through that, I, I, I'm supposing, I don't know if you, two, if you two were in parallel with the experience or if it was at different times, but I'm, I'm thinking that you'd probably have conversation. You'd call your dad or, or Jim, you would call Sarah and you guys would talk about this. Is that, am I correct in assuming that, Sarah? Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the great things about having an executive coach as, a, as your dad, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> you know, I get executive coaching on demand. Um, so uh, really one of the things that made me so compelled to want to put Find Your Fire together is going through lots of these exercises that my dad has used with hundreds of coaching clients now over the years, um, but doing those myself and really seeing the value of the outcome of the exercises that we would do together. Um, so like we said, the 10 steps we tried to make manageable um, because we know everybody's got so much going on these days and you know um, it can't be an overwhelming amount of content, but we tried to make them really impactful. Um, so they're small bites, but they're mighty bites. Um, and, and lots of those exercises I've gone through personally, so it's been really great. One of the things that we look at, just to, just to bring our streakers into this, our streaking audience always knows that we talk about, obviously, consecutive consistency. To get to that consecutive consistency, finding your fire or who you want to be is a critical part of that. I know that, Jim, you talked about the blueprint. You and I spent a day together, and you really took me through some of finding my own fire and what that was. That's such a critical component before I start to get into the do. We always talk about with our streakers, the be, who I want to be, and then what I need to do to become that person. So that's where, Streakers, if you're listening in, this is all about that origin story. Who, what is your blueprint? Who do you want to be? And then you can really start to talk about what you want to do. And as you've been talking, I've been thinking about times when we've talked to a few Streakers who have started to streak and through that process have realized that it's not aligning with who they want to be or through the process of doing that streak, they're like, actually, this isn't something that is important to me like I thought. And so being able to have that process be a part of it and looking at it and saying the true, because, because I love what you guys are saying, this idea that, and maybe I shouldn't call it an idea. Maybe I should call it a truth that when you find what's inside of you, this passion that's inside of you, that drives you to be able to do the things that are truly important to you in all kinds of circumstances. Whereas when you don't have that passion, even the simplest of circumstances can feel like burnout, where you're just like, I just have nothing left to give this, even though it's not really asking a lot, but it's just not there. And so the the importance of that that fire. So I love too that you call it find your fire, this 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 concept that this will propel you and move you forward and keep you going. And that it's starting with these small things that we are able to look inside of ourselves and, and be like, okay, what is my fire? Yeah, Start asking yeah. those yourself the hard questions. I and Jamie, I hope you you and Jeff wouldn't mind if. Oh, so sorry, we're both talking. Well, sorry, I hope you and Jeff wouldn't mind if we um, if we marry together. We 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 maybe we're flattering ourselves, but we think streaking and find your fire are like the marriage made in heaven, so to speak. You know, absolutely. And, and, and the reason is kind of simple in in a sense. We we think we can help people understand exactly where we where they are. We think we can help them get a sense of where they want to be. But that leaves this huge gap, you know, which is now day by day doing the things that take me from where I am to where I want to be. It's not a part that we address 
other than from the standpoint that that uh, we, we talk about small, actionable, consistent actions, you know, all of which we were taught by the two of you as one of the, the most powerful way I know uh, of making change happen in your life and ultimately becoming who you want to be. So it's, if, and I hope I've said this, I didn't ask your permission in advance, but, but when you put streaking and find your fire together, you've really got, you know, nitroglycerin sort of uh, a rocket fuel uh, to, for, to create the life and the career that you've been wanting. Sarah, I'm sorry, I, I spoke on top of you. <laughs> oh yeah, no worries. I, I love, Jimmy, what you were saying about um, the expectations and the insights that you get from doing the small consistent steps. And sometimes it's that this isn't working out for me, or maybe this is not uh, what I thought it was going to be or bringing me the joy that I thought it was going to. Um, it's the same thing with purpose. You know, your priorities, your passion shift across the years of your life, you know, so don't be afraid to let go of something um, if it's not working for you anymore. So you don't feel the need to hang on to something just because you've done it for the last years or this is what your parents wanted you to be or, or anything like that. You have to have a little bit of courage and be open to um, getting some new insight and saying, okay, what about the next chapter? And, you know, what is working for me and what isn't? How can I recreate this um, in the next chapter in your life? That's what I've noticed is talking to both of you because you're in different places in terms of a career in the sense just by by age bracket that, Jim, you've been through more of career and, and Sarah you were more on the, the, not necessarily starting part, but kind of working through the things that you're passionate about and realizing that you will both have asked the same question probably m multiple times. And so looking at it and recognizing that, that this is really a journey and that you can be in a place that you thought you were happy or that maybe you were happy and felt passionate about. But now have you, have you looked at it and you're like, maybe I fulfilled the purpose that I had for that particular place and it's okay to acknowledge that feeling and not just acknowledge it, but recognize that it means that maybe I'm in for a change, that maybe there's something else that I need to look to. And it's this embracing of growth, that, that recognizing that growth, what we really, one of our main purposes is that we want to continue growing, that innately we have a desire to continue growing. And that when we get in places, sometimes you can get a place where you're like, I've been here for a long time and it's comfortable and it's secure and I like it in the sense of it pays well and people think I'm great but I'm not growing anymore. And, and that's, and to, so I, I appreciate that there's a methodology that you're teaching that's saying, trust those instincts and let's help you walk through that journey to find what your next thing is going to be. So yeah. speaking of that journey, I'd love to get into some of these points. Now there's 10 of them here that are each one powerful in their own right. I mean, I, you just, as you look through each one of these, I'd love to get into a couple of them in depth, but review for us just, just real quickly. What are the 10? And then let's go into a couple of them in depth, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a, a great way to think about this, um, without having to go through and explain each of the 10, is to think about it in a couple of different phases. Phase one, you're going to get really clear on where you are today. Um, in phase two, you're going to dig really deep about what your true strengths and talents are, what your values are, um, and what you're passionate about, what kind of work environment thrive in. We're going to get a really good look at what's inside. And then phase three, you're going to take all of that information that you now know about yourself and put that into a really detailed action plan. That's great. So the three phases that you go through, and then each one of those phases has one or two or three steps in each one of them. Is that right? 
So in the first phase, what, so one of the steps that I looked at, um, so number one was get radically clear. Number two is fuel your drive. And number three was find your peak moments. Now, this brought me back to a experience that I had with you, Jim. Mm. And that was you had asked me a series of questions to be ready to answer when I met with you. We just will you dig into that the peak moments number three that just really piqued my curiosity. Not that number one and two aren't really significant and important. It's just that number three, it's like, why is that important to find your peak mm. moments? What is that even trying to drive to? Oh, thank you. And I, I will remember that day for my whole life. So I'm so glad you remember it that clearly. I'm honored by that. Oh. And it just was a special day, Jeff. So it's nice to be back here in this setting. Uh, but I will tell you that this step is really born out of my own experience. You know, this is really a step that came from my time as a CEO and saying, I don't want to do this anymore, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and the great realization I had, just imagine, I'm speaking metaphorically now, imagine me just standing about to start a journey, facing the big horizon and having absolutely no idea whether to go forward, left, right, what, oh my gosh, it's overwhelming, you know. Or go back. Or go back. <laughs> right. and, I mean, and especially <laughs> uh, in the world we live in, you know, we're we're always said, you can do anything, you can be anything, You all you have to do is want to work hard enough. And there's, there's truths in there, I'm not disputing those. But even that, I find people are like, oh my gosh, no, stop, that's too much. Anything, I could be anything. So for a person who who knows that where they are now is no longer feeding their soul, their spirit. They're no longer living out, at least in some way, what they think they're here to do. But you have no idea how to go forward. The best thing to do is look back. Because in your history, you will have had moments which gave you clues. They are pieces of the puzzle. But you were so busy climbing the mountain that you didn't stop to pick up these puzzle pieces, you know, and you didn't have any reason to. You were happy. You're successful. I just got promoted. I got a big raise this year. You know, you're Zoom. You're going up the mountain. So all these puzzle pieces are behind you. And you're not giving any value to them. But all of a sudden you get to that place and you're like, wait, I don't know where I want to go next. What we like to help people do is go back and pick up those puzzle pieces and see what the picture is those puzzle pieces form. Because if you think about it, even Jamie and Jeff in your own life, you undoubtedly would say there have been moments, maybe a lot of moments, when I literally felt this is it, this is me. I'm the right person, I'm doing the right thing in the right way with the right people. Oh my gosh, you know, this is it. <laughs> and if you've had those moments, they really form clues to where you want to go next. And if you bring those moments together, uh, we have a wonderful uh, exercise where you fill out a sheet that has the different attributes of the moments. It helps you peel the layers back. And, and, and by the way, we're not saying, you know, the fall of 1986 was a great moment. We don't mean that. We mean, you know, Thursday, August 16th, <laughs> yes. I gave a message to this group on this day about this topic. And that was one of my, it's that kind of precision. But when you put all those moments together, they literally will form a pattern for you. You'll be able to see uh, clues to where you actually were meant to be headed 
but you weren't going. You weren't going there yet. And and if I can add one small thing, just because of our long history, Jeff, you'll remember this moment, I think, and Jamie may have heard about it. But but when I was in the midst of this dilemma, I mean, almost kind of the worst moment of this dilemma for me, this existential dilemma, um, I got invited to come and give a speech to the people of Franklin Covey. And I had not given a speech to anybody like that before. And in fact, as only with humor, Jeff, I would say, you know, Bob Whitman, asked me to come, but he said, would you mind just coming to Salt Lake City and kind of sharing your story with a few members of our team? And, you know, and it's not, you don't say no to Bob Whitman about anything anyway. And so I said, yes. And I ended up in Salt Lake City. But when I walked through the ballroom doors, there were 700 people in the room. So just a few people on our team turned into somehow. <laughs> right? and, and I didn't know what else to do except say a small prayer and walk to the stage, you know, and tell my story. But something happened in that moment. Something happened to me in that moment. And other people have honored me by saying something happened to them in that moment. It was the purest example I've ever known where a message didn't come from me. It came through me. It literally, there were times I don't even remember what I was saying, but I remember that I, I knew I was supposed to say what was coming out. And when I finished that message, we had a long standing ovation. If you've ever had as you have, Jeff, hundreds of people stand up and, and say that was a great message for us. But on the plane on the way home, I had this stunning moment of clarity. This is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, when I then looked back in my life, my happiest moments had always been when I was sharing something I believed in with people who needed to hear it. I, I could literally trace my own professional lineage as a CIO and a COO and all the things I had done, forget about the titles, the best moments of all those roles had a common thread, which was I was teaching or helping people with a principle that I believed in that would be useful to them. So, you know, the short version of that story is I literally pivoted my entire life and said, okay, I'm going to build the next chapter of my life around these clues which meant for me speaking and teaching and writing. And uh, seven days later from that day, I was offered a job by Franklin Covey, which is where I would stay 14 years uh, and give over 500 keynote speeches in 20 countries and meet the inestimable Je Jeff Downs. You know, all those things happened in, in that chapter. So it's, it's, I hope it's a compelling story. I'm sorry if it's long, but I wanted everybody to feel the impact of being lost and finding your way. You know, and one of the best ways to do that is to look back and just ask this simple question, when have I really been happy? When have I felt full of purpose? When have I felt that I was doing work that matters? Let me piece those together and they'll form a picture of where you wanna go. I think it's important I'll to tell note- I'll you, it was, Sorry. go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important to note too that these moments are typically not moments of achievement. They're not typically when you're accepting an award or getting a promotion or something like that, but they are moments of deep fulfillment. So they're moments when you, like uh, my dad is talking about, when you know that you're the right person for the job, on the right team, and that you feel connected to the company uh, mission and culture, it's it's moments of fulfillment like that, not necessarily of achievement and success. So, and uh, those moments of fulfillment really do have a pattern when you um, break them down into all the details. Where were you? How were you dressed? You know, what kind of office environment was it like? take those small details and then zoom out, you really can find the pattern between all of them. 
profound moment right here. I'm just soaking all of this in. Don't you, don't you feel this, Jamie? I mean, yeah. you're just thinking about what it is that you're saying and knowing that your life has given, given you the clues as to who you are and who you want to be is so profound. It's just something that I don't think a lot of us think about. And something that you said, Sarah, that just cued inside of me, Ozan Verrill, he wrote How to Think Like a Rocket Scientist. And in that book, he talks about extraordinary people. And he said, extraordinary people, when you really look at them, it's not about their achievements or their accomplishments. It's about their inputs. Mm -hmm. And the mark of anyone that has an extraordinary life is the mark of the inputs that they put in. Yeah, I love I that. I think that's so that. true. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I love that, Jeff. And, and uh, you know what I love about that? And this is your and Jamie's special gift to the world. You know, whenever, whenever I lean over into talking about a broad philosophical idea, I can count on you and Sarah and Jamie to say, yeah, and here's how you would do that. One, two, three, right? And so what you just, and, and I need that. I need to be around people who help me, you know, make it actionable. And what you just did lets us all say, okay, if, I, if, I'm, un, if I'm unfulfilled by my outputs, maybe I start by reexamining my inputs, you know? Uh, and maybe that is my experiences. As Sarah said, they're not all moments when you got the trophy. Uh, they may be quiet moments, or you may have helped a single individual and you saw the difference you made and you thought, wow, I wish I could do that all the time, you know? Uh, but I do believe <laughs> that a grace-filled, compassionate universe is always whispering to us, here's what you're supposed to be doing. You know, I, I just think it's always there, <laughs> yes. you know, and every time we ask the question, you know, God, what should I be doing? I really think we get answers. We just don't always hear them, you know, and I, I think of what Sarah and I are doing is helping people fine tune the audio receptor so that you can actually hear the voice. It's not coming from your head. It's coming from your heart. You know, it's, it's only 12 inches away, but that 12 inches is kind of a lifetime journey. We want people to be able to hear what's inside them and then use their minds to figure out how to go and make that happen. Absolutely. Just a couple of things that as you were talking, I keyed into that I really enjoyed was one, I, I love that you had it whisper <laughs> because I do feel like sometimes it is a whisper. It is a whisper mm -hmm. and being able to have the, the ability to recognize it and then the practice and the skill to hear it mm -hmm. And then the confidence to trust it, I think. So there's so many things in the world shouting at us and, and really vying for our attention that that to be able to understand and say, look, you are having this voice inside of you that is whispering to you. And if you can learn to to hear it and follow it, you're going to feel more, more fulfilled. This leads me to a quote that you have that says, if you settle for anything less than you are capable of being, you will probably be unfulfilled all your life. There is a divine purpose in each of us, and until we find it, we can never truly be satisfied. And as, I've, as we've been talking, I look at that and I think, to me, again, this idea of a journey that we're not just going to have necessarily one divine purpose, but it's seeking in that moment, okay, what is my, what is my purpose here right now? Because I think about myself, we've all been talking about this in a work form, but I feel like I've gone through it a bit coming out on the other side of motherhood where I'm like my divine purpose for so many years, and not that I'm not going to be a mom anymore, I'm a mom forever, but I don't have as many young children at home anymore. And so there is a shift there that I'm looking at. I'm like, so what's my next purpose? Where, where is my, where, where is it that I can be fulfilled 
outside now of what I've been doing for all of these years as my children are growing and they don't want me to have as much input as they did when they were three, four, and five. You know what I mean? That wouldn't make me a good mom if I'm giving them that same level of input that I did when they were those young children. And so looking at this and thinking, I love that this is the journey of looking at it and thinking, hey, I have a new divine purpose that now I need to spend some effort in. Because that was another thing that I read in your material is don't think that this is necessarily going to be easy, that it's going to take some real internal looking at things that you've done in the past, who you are and where you find that passion to be able to find the next step and be able to move forward. That's so beautifully said, Jamie. I really love the way that you put that. And and what a great way to highlight um, really where our heart was when we created this program. Um, I think often when people think about their divine purpose, it feels a little overwhelming. You know, it, it kind of feels like climbing Mount Everest. Well, gosh, where do I even start? And this is such a big question, you know. Um, so what we've tried to do, and I, and I think what you're saying as well, is start with the whispers and start little things that are tugging on your sleeve and follow that, listen to that. And then like you guys do so beautifully, turn that into consistent small steps in the right direction and watch the outcome unravel. Um, so I think uh, that was so, so beautifully put and really taps into um, just the heart and the intention of what the whole program is about. Yeah. Can I add a thought onto what Sarah's saying too? We, we, we started with work because work is, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week for some people of their life. Part of your life. Yes. And, and sadly, we, some of us might say there are times when more time, energy, and quality of focus goes to work than it does to other things, you know? So we, we started there, but we really try to say to everyone, if, if you should, if you're a parent, you have a purpose as a parent. And this is really a good question. You know, uh, if, you, if you take parenting, for example, how do I get beyond the simple safety and instruction and, and uh, supervision of my children? What is my real purpose? Because those are just peripheral. Those are just the day-to-day responsibilities of the job, you know, but you have a deeper purpose right. as, a, as a parent. And what is my purpose as a friend or as a spouse or partner or what? You know, I, th- I think you really can, everybody would benefit from thoughtfully considering what is your purpose in every major dimension of your life. We just started with work, one, because we thought we were in the midst of the great resignation. So we thought, you know, everybody is probably asking some of these questions. We can be really helpful. And also because it, you know, no matter how you do it, it's a very large slice uh, of our lives. And maybe that would help everybody. Uh, But over time, our real hope is that you learn a process that Three years from now, if you want to give some real thought to your purpose as a as a spouse or partner, well, this is the same system that would work exactly for that. Maybe you're going to found a nonprofit and you want to find your deepest driving purpose for doing that. This same process would help you in that regard as well. You know, um, one of the things that you just said keyed something in my mind. It was the coined phrase, the great resignation. And what I believe you two are doing is changing that whole thing to the great aspiration Mm -hmm. to where I can look at it and aspire to who I want to be because I'm finding a new purpose. Why? Because why would people be resigning or moving? It's because they felt that their purpose really wasn't there. And so now by piecing together, and by the way, I want, I don't want to, um, or I want to underscore and also emphasize how significant it is to meet with Jim or Sarah and work through 
the, the questions that they ask as far as putting your pieces together in your past. Because that day for me helped me to see things that I had not seen before mm-hmm. and, to, and to appreciate and do things that I hadn't really done before. And so that putting that together, I think, then really helps you to go to the next step, right? Because you talked about the three, the free, three phases, Sarah, and, and the next step. In one of these next steps, and I think that this is one of the transition steps, but you can correct me where I'm wrong, but create your code. So this is number five, create your code. Give us a little flavor behind create your code. What does that mean? What does that look like? What, you know, just a little bit behind that. Yeah, um, absolutely. So in this step, we really take a deep dive into your values. Um, and this is something I think with many people that we talk to, when we talk to them about their values, they'll say, oh yeah, you know, this job or this company just doesn't align with my values. Um, but then when you ask them a couple of follow-up questions, okay, in what way and, and what exactly are your values? What values are you talking about that you know you don't find in this current role or this current company? Um, the, the answer becomes a little more uh, vague, <laughs> you know, it becomes a lot harder, I think, for people to say, I really value authenticity and I feel like I don't get clear, open communication and authentic communication in my current role. So being able to walk people through that process um, and have them truly think about what are the most important qualities in the company's mission, in the team's mission, and in your specific role. Um, that are going to be aligned with what's important to you. Yeah, Jeff. If I if I add an example to that, if you if you're a person who uh, if you join a company that values achievement over everything, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I'm being broad here, but we don't care how you do it. Just hit your number. That's what matters. Bring in the the result, right? If you join a company like that, but your highest value is service. Mm-hmm. I don't care what else you do. You are, you're not going to make it. It's a short-term assignment, right? And, and in between your start day and your last day, it's not going to be a happy journey. You're going to have friction and conflict. And, and you're going to say, why are they this way? And by the way, the company's going to say, why is he this way? And it's all because we didn't stop just for a moment up front and say, how do my values line up with the real values of this organization. It's not that they have to be perfect. We're not trying to say live in an echo chamber your whole life, you know, but we are saying if you don't have strong alignment, just recognize you're going to be swimming upstream every day of your life in this organization. And eventually you're going to get really tired of it. Can I ask a question? So if somebody goes through the process and and then they realize some of their core values, is that something that they can take then into an interviewing process and ask the companies about their values more specifically? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the most important questions. And I think when we forget to do this, you know, I think often when we're in the interview situation, it's so easy to fall into um, wanting wanting to get the job, you know, at any right. cost. It's kind of like trying to win someone over about something. And you sort of forget that it really is give and take. And you really should be um, trying to see if you're a good fit for them just as much as they're trying to see if, if you're a good fit um, at their company. So um, I think one of those uh, ways that you can do that when you um, have a clear understanding of your values is that you can truly ask about it. And if they can't give you a clear answer, that's going to give you some really good information too. And it will help keep you from um, finding yourself in the same position again, six months down the road, you know, okay, I got the job, but now here I am all over again. I've got to start this process all over again. So I think it's a good way to avoid that situation as well. 
And I can see how it can so help so clearly help a person be able to get into a situation where it's like, I'm looking for something in a job that's going to be fulfilling and not go through this process of hire. Okay. Now I'm unhappy hire. Now I'm unhappy. that can weigh heavy on you as a person, I think, and, and start to, to kind of chop away at how you feel about how you're doing. Whereas it has nothing to do about that as much as it has to do with finding that company that aligns with the things that are going to be important to you. Absolutely. I, I, we often say it's like trying on jackets, you know, so try on a jacket and it's too small or it's too long or it's not the right color. You don't say, gosh, what's wrong with me? You say, yeah. This is the right jacket. I'm going to keep looking. Until I find the right the right jacket. Yeah, exactly. That's great. <laughs> That's very good. I love that. Uh, Jamie, one of the things that uh, people laugh at Sarah and I a little bit when they first get to know us is that we are hardliners in that, you should interview your company as hard as your company interviews you, you know, and, and you think about most, most interviewers in a company have a fundamental mission to find the right person for the job. But sadly, most candidates only have the mission to get a job, <laughs> right. Or to get a job with this pay or this kind of a commute, but right. it's, but it's nowhere near. It's so imbalanced. But when we, Sarah and I, we do a role play in our Find Your Fire course, we have a role play on interviewing techniques uh, and how to answer the toughest questions and how to, how to you know, get your questions answered. But people are really shocked in the beginning, like, you mean I'm supposed to ask them questions as well? And what if they're offended or what if they, uh, you know, take a, don't, don't think this is right for me to say, would you consider this a high trust organization, you know? Well, okay, but 90 days into that job, you're going to be asking those very questions and you're going to be finding your own answers, except it's too late. You already left right. your old job and you already joined this company, you know? So why not back up 90 days and ask some of those questions respectfully and skillfully, of course, in the interview setting and, and make sure you get the kind of answers that you're looking for before you accept the new position. And I could see how by doing that, you may be able to make a better decision in the sense that because you brought up, you know, I'm looking for that right commute. If you find the job that you feel passionate about, maybe the commute won't be as big of a deal as you originally thought it was. And so it helps us to be able to align and say, OK, what is really going to be important to me with working? I mean, sure, I do want something close, but if I love what I'm doing, maybe I am willing to commute farther or maybe I am willing to do this other thing that I thought that I wasn't able to do, but because I feel fulfillment and I'm excited to work with them and, and I'm going to perform better. I'm going to do better because I'm doing something that I love. Those other things that we think are so important and are kind of deal breakers may not be the deal breakers they think that we think they are. That's right. In fact, I, one of the ways I try to say that so succinctly is it's not about what's on or off your list. It's about what order the things are in on your list. That's what we're mm, trying to help good. you with, right? So maybe, and I, I love we've picked on commute. Of course, so many people are working from I home. <laughs> but I really get that. <laughs> but right. the, uh, I think the it was more of a metaphor. <laughs> a metaphor. We're just using yeah. it as a general example. But, yeah, exactly. but you know, that's not to say that I'm not going to, I'm not going to quote, drive two hours for, to work each way. Of course not. But, but that's also not the number one thing on my list. So it's more of a question of what position is each item on your list rather than is it on the list or not? Right. So as you, as you create this code, what I'm hearing is you're really putting together what, if you were, what, how the gears are going to mesh together. Mm -hmm. What is it on my code that's going to mesh with those? And it's not always going to be perfect, but if there's enough of them that line up, then I'm okay. Is that, is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a, a really uh, well said, um, well put way of explaining that step for sure. 
Okay. And I love the gear. So then we, yes, that's, that's great. great. It's a great yeah. analogy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of move that together. So then what, what, what we move to then is, and I love this, the last step, number 10, make your choice. Because I think that there's a lot of times you could probably go through steps one through nine and then never make the choice, never act on it, never go forward with it, whatever it is. So I think it's crucial. And I think that there's probably some, some skill in making that choice. And so what, what is the skill that needs to be happened? What do I need to have to quote unquote, make the choice? Uh, Jeff, I, I love that you you make us hone in on that. You know, very few people ask us about this last step. And Sarah and I are like, gee whiz, that's the big one. You know, that's the step. Yeah. That's, huge. that's the one that you got to move forward yeah. with. It's wonderful <laughs> that you picked this one. I, and I, Sarah and I will give you an answer together on this. I'll start, though, by saying I think most people are quite surprised that we are rigorous on objective decision making. And we're equally rigorous on intuitive decision-making. So in other words, in our program, we ask you to create a specific um, design list for the role that you want and how it aligns to the strengths you already have. So you don't pick a job, you're not a fish trying to climb a tree. You know, you you, you don't choose a job that you're never gonna be successful at. You choose something you're naturally gifted for. But we also want you to do your values and match them up to the organization. And then last of all, we want you to have a sense at least of what your deepest purpose is for your life. The, you know, the thing that one day you wanna look back on and say, that's what I did. Well, let's, let's add that in as well. But we, we're really clear about it. We have forms you fill out in order to isolate the aspects of this just so that you make your mind get really clear. But when all of that analytical, objective, tedious work is done, <laughs> which for most people, they're like, oh my gosh, how have I ever taken a job before? Because I never did any of this. You know, <laughs> Really throw a curveball because then we say at the very end, when you've done all that, trust your gut, trust your heart. You know, we have an exercise in that 10th step where you literally get quiet for a minute. You put your hand on your heart and you ask yourself two years from now, when I'm looking back, which choice will I wish I had made? We, we want you to go deep on that. So we, we trust the analytics and we value the intuitive insight. And we want to put the two together in order to make the best decision that you can. Yeah, one small final note on that too. Um, we have seen with so many coaching clients, uh, my dad and I both do one-on-one -on -one coaching. So many people get right up to the edge and then a little bit of fear takes over and they stop. You know, they've done all this work. They know what they need to do. They're ready to do it. And then the little voice in their head says, oh my gosh, this is kind of scary. <laughs> um, and they'll stop right there. And so this step is really meant to help people get that little nudge that you need over that, um, over that last step and, and take the kind of leap of faith. Um, you know, we always joke that it's, it's not so much of a leap anymore because now you've done all the work. You, you're not uh, jumping and hoping the net because you really have, you've already designed the net. Um, so to be able to fill out those forms and have all of the objective um, material, but also be able to trust your intuition and then stick your toe in the water, you know, and have a little nudge to, to jump on in. Such a great metaphor. You've formed the net already. Mm -hmm. You can make the you can make the jump. You can do it. It's there. You don't need to worry about it. You've done all the analytical. You've done all the intuitional. You've done everything you can to know what it is you want to do and how you're going to go forward with that. Now go ahead and make the choice. It's okay to move forward.
Yeah, you, we don't want you to build a parachute after you've left the plane. Nobody, <laughs> nobody can well, do that. right? So let's right. let's let's do everything. Let's do an exhaustive selection criteria so that that final step, even though it takes a lot of courage, Sarah's right about that. Uh, it it's it's a, it's a very safe step, even mm -hmm. though it's a courageous step. So just as we finish up here, I want to emphasize again, we've, we've focused a little bit in on getting a job and what getting a job looks like. But I want to also emphasize, because we our streaking audience ranges all across the board. And this process is good for anything that you're striving to do. If you want to be an entrepreneur, this is a great process to be able to do that. If you want to be a better parent or a better partner, just like what you were saying earlier, Jim, you can use this process for that. It really does free you up <clears throat> to be able to see who it is you want to be in order and then and then getting that to be that person knowing and this is where the perfect marriage of streaking comes in knowing then that I can do so laughably small things consistently and consecutively in order to become that person. Mm -hmm. I keep, I don't know if this is good, but I keep having the visual of one of the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies, and I don't remember which one it is, oh, yeah. but he's he's at that chasm and he has to get across to the other side and it doesn't look like there's any way to do it. Number three, one of my favorites. Is it? Yeah. And then he throws the dust out there or the rocks Leap out there of faith. and That's he's a... able to see, oh, there's steps that can help me get there. That's what I'm visualizing. I'm like, oh. They just that. put sand and now they can see the 10 steps so I can walk across that huge chasm and get to the other side. It's so true. Jim. Wow. And that, that movie is vivid for us. We use that analogy. It's amazing how connected the four of us are. We use it all the time when we're teaching people. Yeah. Well, just as you're talking, I'm like, that's what this, this is. is. You're sitting here and you're looking at this huge chasm and it's scary and you're like, but I need to get over there. How do I do it? Right. And, and then recognizing there's small steps that will take me there. What I love about that Indiana Jones, we Jeff, we won't go on for an hour about Indiana Jones, but I know you and I are huge fans. Is uh, oh, the thing time. I love about that story is that the bridge was always there. You just yes. didn't see it, right? You so if we were if we were leaving people in this wonderful, I can't believe an hour's gone by already. Uh, um, this wonderful conversation, which I wish we frankly had about every three days with the two of you. Um, I think we would want to say the bridge is there in the sense that. You, you know what you love, you know when you're happy, you know when you feel fulfilled, you know when you're in the flow, when your life is moving, when success is coming and it's not always a Herculean struggle. And, and maybe when your head hits the pillow at night, you, you kind of know if you're on your purpose or you're not. You know, your, your, inner, your inner sense of peace and joy is a wonderful compass for am I living the life I was born for? You know those things. But you have to see them to trust them completely. So, so back to Jamie's point, what we're really doing is throwing the dust on the bridge. You know, we're we're helping you bring out of yourself a real clarity. I don't know if you've ever heard the Tim Ferriss quote: um, um, uh, "Life punishes the vague wish, but rewards the specific <laughs> ask." You know, uh, there's so much truth to that, and we're trying to get everybody to grow from a vague wish all the way to a specific, this is what I want to be doing. This is how I want to work. This is the kind of place I want to be part of. We're doing everybody to that specificity because we know if we get them there, all that's left is faith and courage to that last step. And then they'll go on to start the greatest chapter, perhaps of their professional life. What a wonderful conversation. And like you, I would love to continue it forward. However, we have to draw to a close at some point. 
So with that being said, how can people reach uh, you? What they what do they need to do in order to explore this further? Where can they go? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can find us on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, we also have a website. It's chooseyourlife.jimhewling.com. On that website, you can find the Find Your Fire program. You can also find some free resources, um, a quiz if you're uh, looking to see where you kind of fall on the job satisfaction satisfaction scale. Um, all of that is available to everybody. You can also join our email list um, where we try to periodically not too much. We're not trying to bother anybody, but uh, send out some periodic emails with news or quotes that we find inspiring, sometimes a special message from one of us. So find us on any of those platforms. And on your social media, is is the handle at Find Your Fire or is it at Jim Hewling or is it at Sarah Hewling or is it all those? The best right now is to go to Jim Hewling. Um, so all of those platforms. We also have a Choose Your Life um, page as well that will send out motivational quotes or thoughts for the day. And we try to put something on both of those platforms each day. And we love to hear from you guys. So any comments, likes, shares, um, we really love hearing how you guys, if something resonates um, with you, how you guys feel about what we're putting out there. So please feel free to continue the conversation with us. We'd love to hear from you. Wonderful. Just as we close up here, Jamie, what was a couple of takeaways that you had from our today's conversation? I think I ended with it. Just yeah. the visual of being able to look at it and say when you're at this precipice of feeling like, okay, I need to get to this other side, that there are steps already in place and being able to, I, I, I just look at the bushwhacking concept of somebody that's gone before and helped me to see the places that I can step safely and discover how to get to that other side. So that's kind of my takeaway is that appreciation for having taken the time to find those steps. And I love that you said they've always been there, but you put them together in a methodology that now we can succinctly follow. So that was my And takeaway. what I saw as well is, and I'll, and I'll go back to one of the th comments in the very beginning of the conversation is the blueprint of life that we all have. In fact, in the streaking book, it's one of the things that we bring out is as we talk about uh, and really compliment Jim and what he did as far as helping us in the whole streaking journey. And as we think about what, and as I think about what it was that you did for me that day and also for us and our family, it's just absolutely amazing. I just want to read this just real quickly here because it's so um, significant as far as what it was that you brought to who we are and what we decided to do in regards to this. So it says that... Um, as we were going along, and I should have had this just right here ready, and I thought that I did, but uh, it's, it's talking about um, Jim Hewling. He took a day of his time to show us something about ourselves that we had never seen. His wise counsel impacted us in a way that has forever changed our lives. We will always be, we will always appreciate his willingness to answer our numerous questions completely and honestly. Sharing a stage with him in two pinnacle moments was an honor and a privilege. So I'll just end with that. Thank you so much, fellow streakers, for being out there today. At any point in time, if you want to get a hold of Jamie or I, you can download the streaking app and see us on uh, follow Jamie at Jamie Downs or follow me and you can see our streaks and so forth. We also have Jim is on there and Sarah. You can follow them and their streaks as well. Or you can reach out to me at Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y, at streakingmastery.com or Jamie, J-A-M-I, at streakingmastery.com. And um, as always, we have all our social media channels as well. But until we have an opportunity to talk to you again, Jim, Sarah, thank, thank you, you so much for your time today. And for everyone else, keep streaking. <laughs>